Hi, this is Paula. And I'm Joseph, and you're listening to Life Lived Better. So it is time for questions for counselors. And I'm always excited to bring some questions that some of my students have asked. So Joseph, you're always my guinea pig here. <laughs> they ask such ask. great questions too. They do, they do. And this first one, I thought it was legit, honestly. Does listening to other people's problems ever become boring? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that I'm the one that calls you when I have a problem. (laughs) No, I think honestly, everybody is so different and problems are so different. I mean, I, I, when you hear the same person talking about the same problem over and over, that definitely can get, I wouldn't say boring. It can get a little frustrating Mm -hmm. um, because the goal of therapy is to help kind of again get out of the problem and get into a solution and sometimes people are on board with that and sometimes people aren't and so you can give them solutions until you're red in the face but if they're not interested in actually putting those things into action then it can get frustrating mm-hmm. but I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't say boring no what about definitely. you what's what's been your no, experience not not boring I, I totally agree with what you said um frustrating uh, and I have noticed sometimes certain people, certain personalities, when you give them solutions, they ask you, what do you think? Because I try not to make suggestions to people unless they ask for them, you know, Mm -hmm. because I like to do the thing that counselors do where I say, well, what do you think? You know, when they ask me what I think. (laughs) But honestly, when they say, you tell me, you tell me what to do. And I tell them and they go, no, it's not. Okay. Well, why did you ask for my opinion? (laughs) You know, but no, not boring. Not boring. It's like the old what are we having for dinner conversation and then you yeah. give it you say let's have China well no let's no, not, not have China well, it's like okay why are you asking exactly <laughs> exactly and so the next question um you know how hard is it to see clients struggle you know it's it's difficult it's I think it's difficult to really see anybody struggle friends family clients and you know for me I get really invested in my clients and in their stories and in their history and you know, to see them kind of have those trauma responses and dealing with traumas and struggling through the emotions and the feelings of all that. One side of me says, this is good. This is good work. And it's going to be worth it in the end. The other side of me feels like, man, I wish they hadn't experienced this, or I wish they didn't have to deal with the emotions that come along with this. wish they weren't dealing with the aftermath of it all. Yeah. And some people have had just some bad roads mm-hmm. and it's very unfair because they're really good people. And it's, it's, it, it's hard to see that pain. I think the best part is if they stick with it, getting to see them struggle through it. Absolutely. You know, seeing people whenever it's really painful and they're really, really in the hurt. Yeah, that's hard. That's tough. But gosh, when they get through it and they're better for it and stronger for it and resilient, it's just, that's amazing when Mm -hmm. they can look back at the struggle and say, do you remember whenever I first came here and like, yeah, and that's something I have to remind myself a lot is the struggle, honestly, is the place where the lessons come. I've not learned a lot of lessons when something has been easy, I learn mm-hmm. lessons in struggle yeah, and profound life lessons. So I have to remind myself that this person is when they get to that, when they get to the other side of that, it's going to be worth 
the pain they've had to experience. Right. Right. I always say, trust the process. You know, you just, you put one foot in front of the other, you feel the feelings and, you know, you get to the other side and sometimes that's a long journey. Sometimes it's a short journey, but it is a journey. And so just accepting that, you know, you're going to have feelings, you're going to have emotions that come up around it and it will be hard. It will be difficult, but I think most of the time things aren't nearly as hard as we make them out to be. For sure. <laughs> I can make things real hard. <laughs> right. So uh, the next question, another good one is when, when should a person uh, go to counseling? When should they like seek help or therapy? Um, I think, you know, personally, my opinion is, is that therapy is never a bad thing. So, you know, I work with a lot of couples and I feel like sometimes they wait until way too long into a problem or an issue in their marriage that you know, to seek out some help. So sometimes it's, you know, they're pretty far down that road with with a lot of damage and a lot of hurt that's been done. So for me personally, I look at therapy as kind of maintenance. It's something that, you know, I got into therapy because of trauma that I experienced as a child and um, growing up in a broken household and divorce and, you know, just a lot of dysfunction. And I've been in and out of therapy my entire life. But as an adult, I started back in therapy 2020 when the COVID everything happened and the world shut down, which was the worst time financially to do <laughs> <Of> that. <course. laughs> but it was like my mental health is so important and I've continued to go. So I see my guy every three to four weeks mm-hmm. and some weeks I feel like I don't have anything to talk about. But those those weeks are the weeks that I learned something about myself. You know, I make some kind of connection. I shared in a previous podcast, some of the connections that I've made after 40 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, I think if you're thinking about therapy, you should go. If you're thinking exactly. about counseling, you should make an appointment. So if something is, something has kicked in that that has popped into your head, then that is a sign to me that you need to you need to follow up. Absolutely. That's what I think. We Those thoughts don't come into our heads for no reason. If we're thinking about maybe we ought to try it. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, I'm like oh, sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, and like we talked about in our therapy episode, like don't feel obligated if you find a therapist that isn't a good fit. It's important to find someone that you feel comfortable with. So I just want to encourage everybody again to not give up on therapy just because of a bad experience. Keep trying. Absolutely. And yeah, if you're thinking about counseling or therapy, you might want to listen to our episode on therapy. All right. So the next question, another good one, what makes counseling so effective? Well, I think it's different for different people. Um, But for me, as the client, it's effective because it's, it's a unbiased person in my life. You know, it's not a relative or a friend who has some kind of an emotional role or or position in my life. It's just an unbiased person that really can help me be, they can be a sounding board. They're non-judgmental. It's a, it's a safe place and it's a place you can be vulnerable. And also therapists are trained and experienced in having the ability to kind of push you along toward the goals that you've set for yourself so they can kind of prompt you and encourage you and be a place of accountability you know Mm -hmm. each week each month you go into counseling you usually go in where there's like you you the last session they said so before I see you next time I want you to do this thing and so it's not just you 
with that goal. It's somebody that's going to hold you accountable to the goal. And so that also moves you forward. And I like having kind of a, 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 a measuring stick, if you will, you know, a, a person there that's outside of my life that can can see the progress that can remind me of, of the progress and just uh, keep pushing me forward. I, I agree with all of that hundred percent. And I would say, you know, to add to that, just kind of effectiveness, I think a lot of times comes down to willingness to look at, you know, the problems, to look at the issues and then willingness to take action. And sometimes that is, you know, something that people arrive and they're ready. And sometimes it's kind of a slow, gradual process that you help people get to. But I think that's where kind of that, like you mentioned, the accountability piece comes in, reminding people, this is what we're working on. This is what was important to you when you started, you know, not letting them get distracted sometimes, because I think sometimes people tend to focus on other things in order to avoid what it was, what the initial issue was. Mm-hmm. So just helping kind of redirect some of those conversations sometimes. I love that thought there is, yeah, absolutely. That you told them that this was part of the problem. So they're going to keep, they're going to remind you, you know, kind mm-hmm. of redirecting you back to what you're trying to avoid maybe. Mm-hmm. And calling you out sometimes, oh, like in a, in a therapeutic way, but calling people out. I know. I love therapists like that and I hate them too. <laughs> So the next one, how would you help someone go to counseling who does not want to go? Well, if they were someone, if it was a person that I loved and I really felt like they needed it, um, I would just have a conversation with them, you know, and just say, tell them, I, I know that counseling is effective. It's been effective for me. Depending on who the person was, I might even say, I'd be happy to go with you if you want me to. Um, I'd even go and, you know, sit in the lobby. I don't even have to go in the room if you just want the support of someone kind of being there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have never been to counseling and you want to know what it's about, maybe I can tell you my personal experience with counseling. I can tell you that if a person doesn't want to go, forcing them into going is not always incredibly effective. Um, I've worked with a lot of clients that don't want to be in counseling and don't feel like they uh, need to be in counseling. I think I actually work really well with those uh, clients, but they don't get as much out of counseling as maybe somebody who recognizes an, an, an issue and they want to, to start working on it. It's just a, it's a different circumstance. But if it, it's like a person that has an addiction that's really damaging your relationship you you can give them an ultimatum and say, you know, if, if you want to live here in this home and you want to continue a relationship with me, you have to do this or I'm going to do this. I mean, if you if you get to that state, you're going to have to be prepared to do the thing that you are threatening. But um, it, it's always much easier if you don't have to make a threat. Um, that's just my thoughts. Joseph, we need some more feedback on that one than mine, just <laughs> so, my thought. I mean, I agree with what you had to say. I, I don't think that you can force someone. I mean, you can force someone, but it's not generally productive, like you said. Um, as far as how I would help them, I would have that conversation as well and just, you know, strongly encourage it. I would also find some resources for them, just give them an idea of, you know, some places that they could turn to 
Um, some places that, you know, depending on their circumstance, maybe take insurance or don't take insurance. Um, places, you know, where maybe they can get the medication assessment side of it, as well as the therapy side of it. Um, just kind of different information in regards to the different kinds of care that are available. Mm -hmm. And then also just kind of explaining to them why I feel like, you know, it might be a good idea. And also sharing some of my history and kind of what I've benefited and how, how or how I've benefited from therapy over the years, you know, just, just encouraging them. Yeah. I like that thought of bringing them resources because if the person has never been and you're wanting them to go, if you go ahead and do the work of mm -hmm. looking for the resources, I think that's important, especially if we're talking about like an intervention kind of situation mm -hmm. where somebody is at risk, you have to have already done all that and have the resources ready where when a person goes, okay, fine, I'll go you can put them in a car right then and get mm -hmm. them there. And it's not, that's not when you start looking for the resource. I will tell you though, one of my pet peeves, <laughs> one of my pet peeves is when an a parent of an adult child calls to schedule an appointment for a client. That yeah. is, <laughs> that is like dysfunction junction, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I think every every parent has good intentions, and I think sometimes you have to do those things in order to help your, maybe your kid isn't motivated, or maybe your kid just, you know, lacks the ability to make the appointment. I don't know what the circumstances would be, but maybe there are legitimate circumstances. There are resources available, and, you know, especially if you give them the resources or if they do a quick, you know, Google search, Dallas therapy, you're going to get tons of options. Psychology today, tons of options. But I do think it's really important for the person to take responsibility and in, in taking action to actually schedule their appointment. Completely. And I know a lot of uh, therapists or organizations won't uh, They'll, they, they will take some initial information from somebody else, but they require that they talk to the client before they actually schedule the appointment. And I don't know if that's about the accountability portion of it, but I agree. That was a frustration for me when I worked at a facility. Now, when I became a mom, I got it. I'll tell you right now, there, there are people at my son's uh, college that I want to call up and go, why are you doing this thing that you're doing? But I will not. I will not do it. He is an adult. He has to do it. And what I know uh, about just my, through my own life experiences, every time I do something for someone else that they're capable of doing, I am not allowing them an opportunity to grow. Mm, so true. They will never learn. I mean, you know. What happens when I'm not here to schedule appointments for, for people? Will they just not have appointments? Yeah, I run into that with, you know, again, kids that their parents really just kind of take care of. I have a client right now that I'm working with who, you know, is struggling with how to how to limit, you know, taking care of and, you know, paying for things. And the kid is now 19 years old and doesn't have a job and is struggling oh, with going to school. Goodness. And it's like, you know, it's time to set some limits. It's time to, you know, wow. put some things in place to help them because otherwise you're really handicapping them, you know, uh, by yeah. not allowing them to pay bills or allowing them to, you know, be responsible for these things. Yeah, you, you totally are. If you don't teach a child to do something for themselves, they will never know how to do it. Yep. Even when they don't want to do chores when they're nine, you know, they have to learn how to wash the right. dishes because right. when they're 29, who will? So true. 
And the last question, I think both of us can talk about this based on where we've worked throughout our careers. How do you deal with a difficult client? I fire them. Yeah, this is too difficult. I don't want you anymore. <laughs> no, um, I think it goes back to kind of what we've covered already as far as just creating a, an environment that's supportive, you know, being supportive and gentle with them, being direct when you feel like you can be direct, um, kind of challenging them sometimes and, and to their and making them aware of kind of their behaviors and kind of their resistance. Um, because I think that is part of being a, a therapist is helping people kind of get some insight into their own behaviors and insight into, you know, why they might be doing what they're doing and ways to change that, ways to, you know, make adjustments. So, you know, you're always going to have difficult clients and, you know, how you handle that comes down to each individual client. You know, each individual client has their own needs and has their own certain things that they're going to respond to and certain things that they're not going to respond to. So part of being, you know, effective is being able to read between those lines and kind of figure out just gauge through your conversation, you know, based on body language and facial expressions, what's getting through and what's not getting through mm -hmm. and then kind of, you know, pivoting where you need to, but tailoring it to the specific client and just not, not giving up, not being in a place of not being willing to do the work with the client um, and understanding that some clients are super easy to work with and other clients are not, you know, other clients are challenging. They challenge us as professionals and, you know, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Correct. Yeah. That's if I, if this person that asked this question was with us, I would ask a follow-up question, like, how do you mean difficult? Like in mm. what way? Because, yeah. and you know, are you talking about difficult for me? Because it's not, you know, it's, my job's not always going to be easy. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, are they resistant? Are they resistant to what I'm telling them? Well, maybe I'm not telling them the right thing you know I mean sometimes it is about I mean sometimes we have to remember as counselors it's not always going to work our way so right. it's okay you know they don't just come to us and we just tell them all the things they should do and they go do it that would be beautiful that would make a real easy right. scenario but that's not real and that's not you know our, our suggestions don't fit every client we see so um you know the thing that I have to remember because I've worked in in prisons and I've worked with clients that are on probation or parole or you know people that are sent by um child protective services you know be, because they're required to do programs uh, th that can sometimes be a client that doesn't want to be in care. They don't want to be there. It wasn't their decision. They feel forced. Um, and that is something that can be difficult. But for me, what I found is just being a little bit empathetic, mm -hmm. like understanding, like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be forced to do something either. I don't, I wouldn't like it. Not only somebody telling me I have to do this counseling that I don't think I need, they're telling me I have to pay for it too. You know, mm -hmm. I'd be a little bit upset about that too. Just being empathetic, being able to put myself in their shoes. Um, when I first started as a counselor and I worked in a prison, my my mindset was, you you got yourself here. You know, you you're the one who got yourself here. You know, you're gonna have to deal with the consequence. I realize after a short amount of time, that does not work. <laughs> that does not work well. It doesn't help anything. So just understanding when someone says to me like, ah, you don't even understand. It just sucks so bad to be in this situation rather than saying like, well, you got yourself here to just go, I bet it does suck. Yeah. I bet it does. You know, talk to me about that. Um, 
rather than meeting resistance with resistance, right. meet it with understanding. Right. And I think sometimes you catch people off guard that way, you know, and they may actually be more likely to open up when their expectation is that you're going to go one way and then you go a different way with it. Completely. It really does, especially when people are involved in systems. Mm-hmm. And when people are involved in systems, I think we, we become accustomed to being treated poorly mm-hmm. in systems, like we're just another number. And when, as a counselor, I treat somebody like they're a person rather than just the next num- the next one to walk through the door, it, right. I think that does sometimes surprise people. And most of the clients that I've treated that have been what someone would call resistant, when I treat them like a human being with feelings and a life and, and legitimate concerns and frustrations, I usually end up, it usually ends up being a pretty good relationship. Yeah. Best thing I ever hear from a client is, Hey, this wasn't so bad. Yeah, absolutely. This wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. (laughs) Or it went by really quickly. (laughs) Uh Exactly. I learned a few things too, and they kind of like you, you know, (laughs) These were great questions. I, I love that your your students are open to throwing things out there and that we get a chance to answer them. I love it too. I appreciate it. And I want more. Anybody that has questions, I would love for them to email us. Just go to our website. Um, and, and what's the email address in the website, which I always forget? It is info at lifelivedbetter.net. That's awesome. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget that knowledge leads to a life lived better. Thank you for listening to Life Lived Better with Paula and Joseph.